Hey guys, do you have a plain jersey that you don't know what to do with? Well, Customized Sports has you covered. With a wide range of jersey kits to cover all jerseys, you can be rocking your favorite player or even a customized name in no time. Check them out on CustomizedSports.com hey and for so a limited time, use promo code SENSATORIAN10 to are. get 10% like to off your order. Brock and guys, check them out at CustomizedSports.com and use promo code SENSATORIAN10 to get 10% off your order. Changing this is the Hockey Podcast um, Network, hockey. your home for hockey so, talk Rob, on every team on. in the NHL. Today? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm hey, doing hey. well. It's, uh, yeah, uh, it's a crazy time in society, yeah, but I'm uh, holding in okay. Yeah, I think uh, that's all we can do. For a team? Before we get into it, we want to give the listeners kind of a rundown. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sense Touring Overtaking. It's Shane, as always, I'll be your host. A little bit of that. So, I hope you guys are all doing well with all this, practicing social distancing. Late 2016, I came out and uh, at the time I was the the only male professional hockey player to come out of this episode. Um, it's a long one. I'm gonna and, give you guys a heads uh, up. I played in the OHL. We're gonna I jump right into it. In it's a interview and with I came out publicly Brock after McGillis, I retired and at that uh, talking point I was about hockey with culture and, and doing skill you know, development, struggles training, and, and whatnot. And, so um, we're gonna just jump right into it. Came I hope out you guys like to, it. Um, uh, it's a long one, so stay in for it. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Found out I was gay. Let me work with their players. wanted to um, use my voice and use my platform to hopefully first and foremost empower myself and then maybe help a few people that were struggling and it sort of took off from there I, I um, less than a week later I mean the first day alone I received over 10,000 messages um, my world blew up before I knew it I was on CBC the national and um doing media all over the world and then i started getting calls to speak at schools and then teams i went across most of the ohl and um uh now i speak at corporations and events and and a digital tv series in the u.s uh podcast starting soon it's just been wild and um and most of it has been um to create a shift the shift in the culture um, both in sport and out of sport, where we stop using homophobic or homonegative language and start treating people with respect and, and treat everyone with respect. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's unfortunate that those things happen to you, being let go from teams and being told that you weren't allowed to work for an organization that's not right in any stance, right? And do you feel like your, ever since you came out, has it been more positive experiences or kind of still in, in between? You know, how has, how do you feel coming out has changed your life outside of you being happy with yourself? Yeah, I, um, I'm pretty 
Um, I'm, I'm pretty, the majority of the messages have been, and, and the response from society has been positive. And don't get me wrong, there, there is negativity and, and I'll touch on it. I mean, I did some work with the NHL this summer and um, they did a little um, short clip on Instagram um, highlighting me and it was filled with hate. Um, a couple of years ago, there was an incident where Ryan Getzlaff referred to a referee. He used a homophobic slur in the playoffs and the league didn't do anything about it. And I was critical of the league and um, I received over 30 death threats. And that, that stuff still happens. I mean, it's never going to go away. I don't talk about it a lot publicly because I don't want to scare the people who are different, who don't fit the mold, who can't conform to the culture and want to be involved and and I'm hoping that you know I take a lot of that burden and um but for every negative message there's a hundred or a thousand positive ones and I'm so blessed to be able to do what I do and to be able to share my story and my experiences and to stand up for human beings and for quality and and for shifts in sport culture and society and in 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 the world and i'm really lucky so i can you know take those hate take that hate and know that i i can combat it with so much positivity that it doesn't affect me i mean i'm that's great to hear that you you can ignore the negativity most of the time personally as someone who's dealt with with bullying and all that stuff it still surprises me as a as a society that you know people are sending death threats to someone who has no real impact on their lives who they love what they do has no real like to me you're that's just time wasted when you're doing something like that towards someone else just because they don't fit your what you consider your stereotypical person and i think that's something that until you know that changes and that's probably the biggest thing to change where you have to accept everyone for who they are and that's going to be the hard thing right is getting everyone on that same mentality. Yeah, so, but I, I think with that too, and, and again, I think it comes from, you know, now that I'm in a position where I have, you know, um, I've worked through a lot of my struggles. Um, I've, I've worked through, I, I have a pretty thick skin and I'm able to, take that negativity but now i can even go a step further and like when people really come at me i'll dm them or or if they're dming me i'll just be like what's going on with you trying to flip it well well like you said for somebody to spend that much time and energy to send somebody else hate there's clearly something going on internally there there's a struggle there. 
It's the same thing with bullies, right? Hurt people hurt people. 100%, even unintentionally. And yeah, and, and it might be subconscious. It, it might be intentional. Who knows? But ultimately, I, and I've come to find out, like I had one person who was really coming at me and it was over something about Don Cherry and they were like threatening me, name calling. And I said, what's going on? Like, wh- why, why are you doing this? This person had been uh, physically and sexually abused by both of his parents growing up. I was just lashing out at anything. So, so I come now from a different angle at it because people, so many people, like, I mean, I get thousands and thousands of messages. People come to me with their struggle. Um, like from all over the world. I had one person come to me from a country where it's illegal to be gay and his best friend started the first LGBT newsletter in that country. And a friend was found by the government and decapitated. Um, so I, I get people struggle on a daily basis so I can kind of now see struggle. And, and when, when I come from it with, from a place of empathy and compassion as opposed to, oh, you called me that, so I'm going to call you this. You can't fight that fire with that fire with that same energy. Otherwise, we're just going to create further divide. So now it's, why do you feel the way you feel? And then when you break it down, they kind of open up and there's really just struggle there and it has nothing to do with me. So what you're saying is instead of shaming and, you know, fighting back, so to speak, against the people who throw out these homophobic slurs and whatnot, we should open up and talk to them to see what's really going on because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's how we start changing the culture is instead of just fighting fire with fire, we fight fire with water and we start to, you know, listen to them and see what's going on through their eyes. Kind of completely, completely. And, and it's tough to do. It's very difficult, especially as oppressed people, people have been bullied, people who have been, you know, name called or minorities or anything else. It's difficult to do. It takes a really thick skin and it takes working through, um, I call it your shit, working through your struggles the, the, the things that have been used against you your entire life, working through those yourself, whether through therapy or on your own or however, you know, people work through their things. And, and from there, being able to have that, you know, be in such a good place physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is to go, okay, these words are directed at me, but this has nothing to do with me. So let's really talk about it. And that's probably the best way to handle situations like that now is to, you know, brush it off, but talk to the person and see where their head is at. Because like you said, it's just unchecked anger, frustration, and 
unfortunately, some people are just the punching bag for it. And, you know, that something that we can talk through instead of being physical about. Completely. And, and, you know, it's, um, and I've noticed from my experiences that when, when I do that, people eventually open up and uh, I don't think people are, um, bad by nature. I think people do bad things, but I, I, I think we can, you know, there, there's reasons for that, whether a product of their environment or, you know, different things that have happened to them along the way that have led to that. So it's okay. And while it's not okay, but it's, it happens, it's life. Let's, let's, what's next? How do we evolve it? If we dwell on the past or the current, it'll never change. And, and, and that's for both sides because, you know, the side of who wants to shift things, who are being called the names and are the ones who are angry about it, the oppressed, they have to let go of that hurt too in order to further the conversation, in order to evolve the, the you know, society. So you, you can't dwell on it okay that happened yeah and and i make that aware I, I make it aware that those things do happen because they need to be known but i i don't hold any resentment or animosity it's okay how do we how do we take this and evolve yeah i mean i think the the way i look at life is you if you hang on to the past you miss the future and if we want to change the future we can't hang out on the past we have to accept it, you know, deal with whatever we have to deal with and move forward while using our experience to help others, among other things. Yeah, no, I completely agree. With that being said, there was a lot going on on Twitter yesterday and I did want to get into it just because, you know, you find one tweet and then it just it just opens up a whole different kettle, uh, kettle of water and you, you get sucked into it and you still have no idea what's going on. I spent about half an hour trying to get to the source of what was going on and I still couldn't find it. So as someone who was involved, what, mm-hmm. what is something like that, hearing a former NHL player say the things that they've said and you know obviously it's over text so it's kind of hard to to get the full meaning but you get a picture of the tone that they're using you know what's that like as someone who's trying to push the game forward having these players who on a fan pace didn't really mean a lot like they weren't you know fan favorites or super big names but they were they still played and they still have an impact on the game what was that like and what is that like dealing with when you have someone who's so you know they have their blinders on they're so narrow-minded well um i i think you know if you look at it like i i somebody like um the incident yesterday was brandon pressed right 
And sure, he may not have been Sidney Crosby, but um, the guy has almost 300,000 uh, Twitter followers. Like, he has a big following for Twitter. And, and that's influential and, and can be good or it can be detrimental to evolving a culture, evolving, you know, hockey culture. And um, yesterday I was on Twitter randomly and I guess he had um, a woman uh, of color had sent something along the lines of uh, she had created a meme and it was about white people racism and he started calling her names like like really going in like like was rude and then not only that when she blocked him he found her on another um media like social media platform and dm'd her there and started calling her names and called her racist and and there's no doubt in my mind that um there needs to be a better way for uh, than generalizing the entire you know white population but as very privileged people white people i think we know who they're talking about when white people's use as opposed to that certain white person or that certain group of white people. Like, I think we can kind of, you know, critically analyze and recognize, well, am I racist? No. Okay. Then it's not me. Um, so uh, after that, I said, this is, a hockey issue. This is hockey culture 101, you know, way to, you know, reinforce it. And I tagged Brandon Prest. And then Brandon Prest essentially said, I suck at hockey, so I hate hockey. And I hate hockey people. And I'm like, well, it's it's a very um, juvenile argument to say that um, because I didn't make the NHL, I'm bitter at everyone else. And, and um, you know, uh, this, that, or the other. So I didn't stoop down. I said, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was too busy trying not to kill myself and dealing with my depression and, and, uh, my sexuality to make the NHL. I mean, I was ranked on NHL draft list. I was supposed to have a career in the game higher than where I went. And I said, I'm proud of where I went considering, everything I went through in a sport that isn't inclusive. And then he continued to call me names, continued to go off. And, and I just educated him with facts. I said, Brendan, the studies have been done. We we've seen the studies that show and compare it to other sports. He told me hockey people are the best people on the planet. And there's no doubt that in my opinion, there's a lot of great people in hockey and hockey is a great sport. But hockey culture isn't. And it's been proven time after time. And, and, and it's right from a young age. And, and we see it in high schools where, you know, um, hockey guys and, and everyone talks about hockey guys and their attitudes and their demeanors and whatnot. Are they good people one-on-one? Yeah, great. But the culture brings out the worst in them.
and we need to evolve that culture. And I think, you know, because at a very young age, hockey players are, are segregated essentially in arenas and they're not played, hockey isn't played at high schools like basketball, football, soccer, or other sports. They don't, they're, they're only around hockey people. And they're influenced by older hockey people who are immersed in that culture already. And then they're one of the only sports to move away from home at such a young age. And when they move away, their only friends when they move away typically initially are their 20 teammates. And they spend so much time with them that they, you know, when they're, they just continue to immerse themselves in the culture. And then when they come home after their seasons, they train with their buddies they grew up with, spent all their time with, which were the other hockey players. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the culture. It's not that the players are, you know, intentionally bad or wrong. They just don't know any better. They're doing what they think, what the only thing they know. And, um, so Brandon didn't agree with that and, and continued to call me names. And I continued to cite academic journals. Um, I, I've, I've researched this stuff to death. I talk to academics on a daily basis who study this for their lot, like that's their whole career. And, and it's been proven over and over and, and not to mention all the DMs and messages I receive from people who weren't able to conform in the sport and adhere to the cultural norms and from there left or from there are struggling. And then you can even look at examples in the NHL, like Dustin Penner, who had a similar argument with me not that long ago and pressed. These guys were seen as good hockey guys. Meanwhile, you see a guy like um, Dougie Hamilton, phenomenal defenseman. He's been traded twice because he can't fit in, they say. He doesn't fit in. Why doesn't he fit in? Because instead of drinking and, and going out with the boys and, and adhering to the cultural norms of the sport, Dougie Hamilton likes to go to museums. Dougie Hamilton likes to read. So because he doesn't fit that norm, he's the outsider. And that norm is not a good norm. <laughs> And, and it doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that they've been ingrained. Something's been deeply rooted, ingrained in them that isn't that great. And we need to evolve that. And that's why the sport has like very few LGBTQ plus members. It has very few people of color in it as, you know, very few women involved because in, in on the men's side, because um, it's, it's not a welcoming place right now. So you saw the, I mean, everyone saw the incident on the social where one of the hosts, you know, made the generalization of hockey players. And with my experience with hockey, you know, that's your stereotypical hockey persona. I don't think there's any arguing that. But do you think one of the problems, not just in hockey, but in society is we generalize way too much where we look at one 
one or a couple of individuals and then we lump everyone into it. Uh, oh, without a doubt. I think society does generalize too much. But I will say, I think there's degrees of what Jess Allen said. Do I think it's general or dangerous to generalize everyone? Yes. But do I think at some point, like I, I, I'm, I'm as much to blame. I adhere to all those things. I was a womanizer. I was, um, you know, I partied hard. I drank from the age of 18 to 23 daily, just in them with my struggles. Um, I didn't want anyone to recognize my sexuality. So I slept with more women. Um, to, to conform, to fit in. And, and there's different ways of doing that, being the tough guy, being, you know, the womanizer, being the life of the party. Um, do some people do it more than others? Yes. But just because you do it less, have 90 to 95% of the players done it at some point? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So, has have most people made a racist comment in their life or a homophobic slur? Sure. Including myself. So is she generalizing by going to the extreme with all of them? Yes. But again, can those people look in the mirror and actually say they've never done any of these things? Because as, as a gay man who was ingrained in the sport and, and a product of the environment, the same way they were. I didn't have a teammate that I didn't see do those things on some level at some point ever, like uh, literally probably 98% of them from minor hockey all the way to professional, um, I, including myself. So, so are there tears of it? Yeah. But the, does that make it right that, well, you were only a jerk to women five times versus the guy who was a hundred times. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so ultimately, I think it comes down to, what it really comes down to is these are good kids. These are good adults. They're good people at their core. Do they do shitty things to adhere to? It's like frat boy culture. And it's very similar. And, and I think what the real thing is, is why can't these people just be themselves? When I go and speak to teams now, what I like to do is uh, tell me something you wouldn't typically tell a teammate. Because the reality is, like the Dougie Hamiltons, they don't share anything. There's, there's three things you're allowed to talk about in the locker room, from junior hockey up. Girls, partying, and sports. So yeah, tell me something. But, but that's reality, and, 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 and that's not saying they're bad people. And, and I want to take that out of it because that's where I think she went wrong is she would have kept the culture as opposed to the people. Once people feel attacked or their families feel attacked, you're not going to create change. But the reality is they are products of an environment, of a culture. They don't know any different. And those are the three things you're allowed to talk about in locker rooms. So, More than just hockey, too. Because I What's grew that? up, it's more than just hockey too. I think Male it's team sports. A hundred percent. Because I grew up mostly in a football locker room, and everything you're saying is the exact same things that you know road trips and all that were talked about 
on a daily in those locker rooms. And I think people need to realize that this isn't just a hockey problem. It's a full-on male sports problem. Without a doubt, except I'd say that, and, and I think it's male team sports in general, but in, in Canada specifically, um, hockey reigns supreme. Oh, yeah. It's because it's the number one kids, sport, right? Hockey kids are social influencers. And, and uh, you know, hockey adults are social influencers. Junior players have massive influence. And I think that is, you know, the biggest hurdle here is recognizing that they do have that influence and um you know exposing them to more we need to humanize these issues but so now when i go into rooms because reality is like i worked with athletes for years i i after i retired and and I've had kids come to me and say, like, I have a tweet pinned on my Twitter that says, you know, I didn't believe you when you said there was a lot of homophobia in hockey because I never heard it around my teams. Because he goes, but then I went on to play junior and he went to play junior in a major center and um, where there's a ton of diversity in Toronto. And he goes, I was around my team for five minutes and everyone in the room is using homophobic slurs. And he comes from Northern Ontario. And he said, you know, like, you've changed it. But I've humanized him. We haven't humanized these things yet for people. They're not exposed to anything besides themselves. And, and that becomes part of the issue. And then if the hockey players are doing it, because they have some, so much social influence in Canada, specifically, the way football does in the U.S., then... Mm-hmm their peers start using it, younger kids start using it, it, it just becomes normalized behavior. And um, ultimately it leads to more and more of this. Um, now when I go into locker rooms, what I try and do is I say, share something with me you wouldn't typically tell a teammate that you enjoy. You, and What kind of feedback? Oh, I've had kids tell me things like um, I had a, a, an OHL team. I was sitting in a, a major junior locker room and, and I share my story first and really try and draw them in with that emotional aspect of my struggle and what I went through in the league and playing pro and everything else and what empowered me to come out. And um, then they typically share and, and, um, I've had uh, one kid stood up, a tough guy, said, um, I love writing poetry. What was the reaction in the room? Everyone just looked. And then another kid, uh, like a veteran on the team, said, if I don't make the NHL, I want to be a zoologist. And uh, um, a rookie, like a first-year player across the room, literally jumped out of his seat and said, I love animal documentaries. Then the coach said, my wife and I love Broadway musicals. Imagine hearing a hockey coach say that. So change is possible. It's just about getting there. It's, it's about having them realize we need to engage and educate. 
they have no idea because it's so insular that there even needs to be a change. By the end of the conversation with Brandon Press, his last tweet, when I said all these things that go on in hockey, he goes, yeah, I experienced all that. And I said, so why are you arguing with me? Mm. You know? And, and, and that's the point. They don't realize what's actually happening here. And that's, that's the biggest struggle, you know, is, is opening their eyes. And, and if we fight with them, it's just going to create a further divide. If we engage and educate, we can create shifts. And yeah, it's going to be slow. It's but gonna it's going to be gonna slow, happen. but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, and that's why I don't take offense. And I didn't, when Brandon Press wanted to call me names, and Dustin Penner wanted to call me names, and different people or the death threats I get, I don't take offense because I'm playing a long game and it's not a game for me. It's saving people's lives because those kids that come to me that are about to kill themselves because they can't fit in, they can't conform, and they feel different. They need this. So before we started, you know, before we started recording and whatnot, you know, you said you were, you and Dan Carcillo, who has a known history of, you know, homophobia, racial slurs, all that stuff. You said you were good, like you and him get along. So with that, you know, he's admitted all his, basically all his wrongs. He's, and he's changed or is trying to change. Is that something that people need to also keep an open mind? Because, you know, a lot of people say is that, oh, if you say it once, then you're a piece of crap person and you can't change and you need, and you're basically ridiculed into being told that this is the way you're thinking. This is the way you have to think for the rest of your life. You can't change. You'll always be, this person to us that's not helping that's not helping it's an extreme viewpoint and and it's something i disagree with by that logic i can't be doing what i'm doing because i was like them do you know what i mean i was the hockey womanizing hockey player who made comments that were sexist racist homophobic the idea that people if you refuse the idea that people can change and change their views and the way they look at society and life, you're basically rejecting the idea that things can change as a whole. So, and, but, but again, going back to before I I spoke about a lot of people have voices and opinions um, who have dealt with oppression and, and are very vocal but they haven't worked through their shit. And I think the first step in order to create shifts in culture, create shifts in society is deal with your own struggle, deal with your own oppression and work through that. And once you have, you're going to be in a better space to, you know, advocate to be a voice of change. But when you're still angry and upset over what's happened to you, it's, it's a real tough place. That's why I didn't do this sooner. Because I would have been angry. You, know? you can't change when you're angry. You can't because now you're lashing out. And now you're fighting fire with fire. And, and, and that's my whole thing. Some people don't believe Carcillo. 
and and that's great but you know i i he's one of the only ones i've seen own up to everything he's done openly and honestly and i think you know and i've i've spoken to reporters who have interviewed him and they said no uh he demanded that i put the bad stuff in the story yeah because admitting your wrongs is the only way to grow as a person because no and, person and, is perfect and but, that's where i give dan a lot of credit you know it does has he had his shortcomings yeah sure does he go about each situation perfectly no but nobody does is he trying yes and i think once once you own your things and you go you know what yeah i did this and i'm sorry and i know it's not right people are going to be more open even the ones who say oh no you you can't change your this forever a lot of people support dan carcillo who probably feel oh no you can't but heard him say i did this and it was wrong and i'm sorry for it and and you know as long as and dana have had the conversations where don't make excuses don't blame anyone else on your shit yeah and that's all you have to do is you know admit that and, you're and, wrong and work on becoming a better version of yourself through the lessons and he has and that's where i give him the most credit is it's not that he said this and then went back to um doing those things or doing nothing dan has been outspoken dan has you know become somebody who wants to create change in culture and and i give him all the credit in the world and and i played against dan i know what he did and i know what he went through too and <clears throat> the abuse that people inflicted on him that led him to become the person that was an abuser hurt people hurt people and and again becoming a product of that hockey culture and people say oh it's changed it's changed well okay fine they took out hazing <laughs> that's all that's changed there's no physical abuse that way there's other physical abuses whether it's in practice on the ice or verbal abuse or different things like that so so the culture still needs a whole, an overhaul. It's not just, oh, we took this one thing out, look, we're perfect. And if you think that you're part of the problem because then you don't realize what you're doing and you're not willing to look internally. It's like, again, with the Jess Allen stuff. And somebody said it to me, well, I've never experienced any bad things in hockey. Somebody said that to me yesterday. I said, okay, but you're a white, straight, like man. Do you think maybe you just, because it didn't impact your life, you didn't notice them? I, I hate that train of thought so much. It didn't affect yeah. me, so it's not a problem. Therefore, it didn't exist. Yeah, I hate it. Um, I hate and, that train but of thought so much. But it's reality and it's and and that's where people talk about privilege that's a privilege it's a privilege i had it's a privilege that a lot of people have and and i still have in other regards i'm likely oblivious to some things 
And, and that's okay. Privilege doesn't have to be a bad word, but it's recognizing you have it and then using your privilege to create shifts. Yeah. And, and that's where I give Dan a lot of props. Yeah. I think, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of him on the ice, but for what he's oh, done, he's a jerk. <laughs> from what I, what he's done since retiring and his advocacy for, change in multiple areas you know it's definitely something that i respect him for and it doesn't change what he did but the fact that he's come out and been like hey i was basically a piece of shit during my playing days i admit it i i was wrong and i'm gonna work to be better he need like when someone comes to you in, in general, if a friend, a coworker were to be like, hey, I need to talk, this is how I've been feeling, you know, for change to happen, you can't sit there and basically be like, yeah, you were, you know, you can't shame them for what they did. You have to be like, okay, you did this, it wasn't right, now what are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to change it? Are you going to do go to therapy are you going to do you know go to some you know uh, classes and all that stuff what are you going to do to change your behavior so you don't fall back into the same pattern and i think that's the conversation that needs to be had to help change the entire culture and and it's what i do in locker rooms it's what i do in schools it's you know it's engaging and educating it's opening their eyes and it's, it's okay. You did this and not every player is going to own up to it. And that's fine. They don't have to, but it's what you do now and next. You can't change the past. You can only change the future. No. And, and especially with younger people, it's going to be more difficult to own up to it, but, but it's why people lash out like a Dustin Penner, like a Brandon press, like some of these other players or people in um and i'm just going to use hockey because we're on a hockey podcast and within the sport it's because they don't want to look internally because they might not like what they see they see themselves as i'm a suit wearing good quality citizen and great you do a lot of charity work and you fight cancer and you do all these nice things but if you put people down throughout your whole life that not. supersedes any of the good you've done on the surface. And if you don't want to look internally to see that, then there's a bigger problem, you know? And, and that's why they attack me. That's why they say hockey culture is fine. And, you know, and people tell me I'm ruining the sport. And, and it's like, I don't know how I'm ruining the game of hockey. I don't think I have that much power. Um, but you know, and, and these are the types of things that, that, you know, are difficult to recognize, are difficult for people to own and see. Yeah, and it's, it's all about being able to see it. Because if you don't see it, you can't stop it, you can't change it. Once you open your eyes to it, it becomes a lot easier for that change to happen. Completely. Completely. If you're willing to look internally, but that's tough. It's tough for all people. It's just like how I said, um, you know, uh, 
people, my, minorities and whatnot, who lash back as opposed to, you know, engaging with people. It's because they don't want to look internally either and deal with all their struggles. It's hard. Yeah, and It's not easy. Always, you want to look it's, at yourself as the best person you can. So when you have to look inside yourself, it's hard to recognize the flaws and the negativity that you have and that you need to change because you always want to look at yourself as a good person. Or even, you know, as simple as you don't want to look at the struggles you went through. That's true. Because that's hard too. It's triggering. Yeah. But that's, that's a, a part of the evolution. That's a part of growing. Yeah. It, it definitely, it has a lot to do with it. And you generally feel better after you reflect on things like that. But, you know, it, it has to happen eventually. We can't just keep pretending that hockey culture is this great, welcoming, inclusive culture when in reality it's not. Well, and, and, and the longer we pretend it is, the more hockey numbers go down every year. Less and less people play the sport of hockey each and every year. So we can have blinders on until we we have so few people in the sport. Or we can, you know, evolve it. And hockey, especially in this country, has the ability to empower people and to make people feel good. It's funny. Well, not funny, but... um, And sport in general has that ability. I was, I had a young trans boy come to me not that long ago and he, um, he was cutting himself daily. And then he found weightlifting, bodybuilding and started going to the gym twice a day and he stopped cutting himself. Gave him purpose, it gave him joy, it gave him something to look forward to. And then I've had kids in hockey come to me who were struggling. And one kid went from being a 90 student, really good hockey player to recognizing he was different, his sexuality and whatnot, and just wrote his name on tests at school and would freeze up and couldn't even function there, let alone in hockey as hockey started to derail. His, his schooling was derailing. He was depressed. He was struggling. He was cutting himself. And hockey didn't, wasn't a safe space for him, a space where he could feel empowered and feel comfortable. And it could be. And it would have the most impact if it was. Because the reality is, in minor hockey especially, less than 1% of the kids who play are going to make it to the top level or any professional level, let alone major junior level. And it can be a place that's welcoming and supportive and, and where people can be themselves and feel good. Yeah. But currently it isn't. And that's what sports should be, right? It should be in a, like fans use hockey or a sports in general to escape everyday problems. So why shouldn't it be any different than that for the players, no matter the age? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, but currently we we have to evolve the culture for that to happen. 
And so many people are unwilling because then they have to look internally. Yeah, so, and that's that's the hardest part. Yeah. Now, I can talk about this for hours because it's a conversation that needs to be had and continues to be had. It can't stop. It's not going to stop. But I would like to thank you for coming on. Uh, if you have anything to say to the listeners before we, we end it, uh, floor is well, yours. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I mean, you know, the, the conversation may be uncomfortable. You might not enjoy everything you heard. If you have any questions or you want to talk, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at brockmcgillis33 or on Twitter at brock underscore mcgillis and we can have a conversation. If you are struggling and you need somebody to talk to, my DMs are always open and I try and support everyone and, and get, you know, help them work through it or get them the help they need. And um, let's really think about this stuff and really evolve it. Yeah. And, you know, we have to continue this conversation. And like Brock said, if you need, if you're struggling with anything, there are people there to talk. My DMs are open. If, you know, if you just need a voice or just need an ear to listen to, uh, I'm here as well. Brock, thank you again for coming on. Hope to have you back on in in a future episode to continue this conversation. And hopefully, you know, your work and other people's work can help change the hockey culture for the next generation of hockey players. Thank you so much. with Brock McGillis. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you've lasted this long, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, guys, check myself out at Shane underscore Ryan 90, 97. And obviously, since, since Torian 92 on Twitter. And give my other podcasts another shout out, 13th Man, covering the CFL. But I hope you guys all stay safe, stay sane, I will catch you guys on next Monday with a whole new episode. Have a good one.